Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. It's my show across the nation from my flagship station, WSB in Atlanta, Georgia, to all of you. Well, outside the Beltway, the phone number is 877-973-7425. So one of the, the, the cool things about my life over the years is that I have gotten to meet people through running Red State and then the resurgent and being on radio who I never would have otherwise encountered who have just got to be genuine prayer warriors uh, for my family, my wife and her health, uh, and just genuinely nice people I probably would have never gotten to know. Uh, and that's just one of the cool job perks here is getting to know people like my next guest. He is one of the nicest people you will ever meet. Uh, I genuinely call him a friend, and he's also a conservative warrior in the United States House of Representatives who sits in the House Freedom Caucus, and he's from right here in Georgia with me, Congressman Jody Heiss. Welcome to the program. How are you? How is your wife? Eric, we're all doing well. Hope you are. And listen, thank you for your friendship over the years as well. You were one of the first to come on board uh, with me as we were uh, going to Congress. And uh, you've been there as a sounding board ever since. And I just uh, deeply appreciate you and it's great to be back on your show. I'm glad to have you. Uh, now, the you are ruffling feathers today. You know the dynamic in the Georgia legislature, and and we both know that other legislatures have similar dynamics where you have establishment officials uh, who rule the roost and they try to isolate conservatives, and you've experienced this yourself in Congress, where you have to get all your talking points from the leadership and not be able to think for yourself or surround yourself with like-minded people. And yet now you guys are trying to build at the state level what you all have in Washington, and I'm excited and, and love the idea of it. Well, I do too, Eric. And I tell you, you know, I think the the uh, best way to look at all of this is to get a bird's eye perspective and not look at the political side of this, of establishment versus conservatives or Democrats or whatever. The reality is we are in the fight of our life for this nation. We are dealing with issues right now that most of us never dreamed we would face in the United States. And so we we have got to fight with everything we've got uh, in, in using that in the correct way to to restore the liberties and freedoms that we've always had in this country of limited government and maximum freedom. And that involves both the federal government and the political fight there, as well as each individual state. And I can tell you, I've been a member of the Freedom Caucus since it was founded in, in 2015. I mean, I was there with you guys like uh, Jim Jordan and Meadows and Ron DeSantis, a host of others, where this thing was started. And the purpose of the Freedom Caucus is to be a voice for millions of Americans who feel as though they've lost their voice, be it in Washington or now in the various states. And, and we just recognize that in order for us to restore our country to the freedoms and principles we were established on, it's going to take more than just a battle in Washington. We need each individual state with leaders who are willing to step in the gap and give it all they've got to restore those liberties. So we could not be more excited to uh, be a part of uh, what's happening in Georgia today. And we're glad to have a Georgia Freedom Caucus uh, under the way of, of being built. I think it's going to be a great voice. Yeah, I, I just – I was – I, I I told Congressman Biggs when he was on earlier the the number of states 
involved now. It makes me feel good, you know, transitioning from just being a Georgia talk to, to having a national show, knowing that this impacts uh, pretty much every station I've got an affiliate in now is getting a state Freedom Caucus effort. And it's one of those things I remember for years talking to, to Jim DeMint and others that wouldn't it be great if you could do something like this at the state level? It was always kind of a dream. Their logistics kind of made it hard to do. And, and now suddenly what had once been a dream of people is now this reality. It really is. And it hasn't been sudden. I mean, this has been in the plannings and the work for a long time. I know up here uh, with the Freedom Caucus in D.C., we first started talking about this probably a year and a half or further ago and regularly have have had discussions and plannings and figuring out how could this work. And it's been something that's been a dream of of many people like yourself and others that just recognize that we are United States and we need state leadership uh, comprised of individuals who are willing to step in the gap and 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 take some tough votes and to, to stand up when we when that's needed. Uh, and, you know, I, it really is an exciting time. I wish we'd been I'd been able to be there in person today in Atlanta, but uh, as you know, they've called us back to vote. So, oh, and the uh, votes they're making you vote is. on. <laughs> oh yes, yes. Yeah. Another interesting topic. Now, oh, okay, but it, you know, it, it is. But you are there. Uh, Andy Biggs is there. Lauren Bobert is there. I know Chip is up there, and you still got members of Congress though who seem like that they, they want to phone it in and, and do this vote by proxy nonsense that Pelosi has has allowed for a while. When when does that stuff start changing? You know, Eric, I just finished. In fact, I just arrived, literally just walked in my office. But I walked down the hall with uh, another Democrat. But uh, And I asked him, are we going to be here today? And he, But the thing to your question that he said was, it all depends. He said, the truth is there's over 200 members today who are going to be voting by proxy. And that's certainly going to slow things down. I mean, just one person after another standing up saying, blah, 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 I'm voting in behalf of so-and-so on bill such-and-such, and and I inform the House of how they're going to – I mean, this – look, this is not the way our Constitution was intended. We have representatives who are to be here, to be a part of the debate, to be a part of the discussion, and, yes, to be a part of the vote. But it's hard to be a part of the vote if you've not been part of the debate and the discussion. And this proxy stuff is just, it has got to go. It's got Amen. to go. Okay. Now, let me ask you one question. This is to, your total wild card unrelated to anything else. And I knew that I, I would probably be talking to you so I could I could save this up and for radio for everybody. Uh, the other week, the Dobbs case in the Supreme Court, Sonia Sotomayor raises the question of, of when life begins and isn't this just a religious question? And your your background is in ministry and of faith, and I would really we're in the Christmas season anyway. I think it's an appropriate time to to let people know how you, a member of Congress, a, a conservative with a background in ministry, how do you see the world and how you vote uh, by keeping your faith in balance with everything else you do? Hey, Eric, it's it's the same here as it is, frankly, in every other aspect of my life. I mean, I'm up every morning. I spend time in prayer. I spend time in the Word. I want God's Word to infiltrate my life, and I look at the world through that lens. It is a Christian worldview perspective, and the issue of life is no different. There is no question 
in my mind that every life is a creation of God, it is a gift of God, and it, it deserves and needs to be protected. It's, it's life, and we are not the giver of life, and nor should we be, uh, particularly in the womb, the taker of life. That is an innocent life, and Sotomayor, I believe she was also the one, if I remember correctly, who said it's just like a brain-dead mouse yes. in the womb. It's like, what? I mean, you cannot get any more insulting nor scientifically incorrect than to make a statement like that. I mean, that is an individual whose religion is secularism, and, right. and frankly, she's trying to force that religion on the, the lives of everyone else in the country. Let's be reasonable about this. Let's uh, acknowledge what science and people just in general know. It's not a turtle in the womb. It's not an animal in the womb. It's a human Amen. in the womb. That does not take rocket science. But even with science, we know uh, at 10 weeks, that little baby has fingers and toes and arms and legs and heartbeat and can uh, feel pain at 20 weeks, 15 weeks, actually. I mean, we know these things. Uh, and and I just, uh, you know, I'm hopeful that we're going to have a good decision coming out of this. And I frankly was very encouraged with the both the numbers of people who were outside the Supreme Court, but also with the uh, overall hearing uh, of the oral arguments that took place. Well, Congressman, look, I, I'm I'm glad you. I knew you could handle that uh, question, and I just I appreciate your face so deeply. Congresswoman uh, Bobert was on the phone earlier, by the way, and said that uh, when you guys start uh, arguing deeply and passionately about uh, the direction of the House Freedom Caucus, you're typically the one in the room that says, "Why don't we just stop and pray about it?" <laughs> it, it usually works every time, and it just helps bring all of. I I don't know, uh, you know, our founders. I have in my office uh, here in Washington, Eric, I have a picture of the first prayer in Congress. It was September of 1774 in Philadelphia, and it's just a, a tremendous painting that I, I love. And it was at one of those moments in our nation's history where uh, our founders just said, look, we don't know what to do. So let's call on God and ask for wisdom. And of course, the scripture says that God loves to give wisdom when people ask for it. And that picture hangs in my office as a constant reminder that God has answers to questions that I have no clue what the answers are. And uh, it's a good reminder for all of us to, to uh, recall that, uh, that God is there and he's ready to uh, hear our cries when we call to him. And, you know, as we're coming into Christmas, I couldn't think of a, a better thing for us to discuss than the uh, the beauty and the the wonder and the greatness, the love of God as expressed at Christmas, and He's there every other day of the year as well. Amen to that, Congressman. It's always good to talk to you. I wish I had more time with you. I know you just got up there though, so thank you for rushing to the phone to be here with me. And uh, best of luck to you up there today. I'm sorry you can't be down here tonight, but I know it'll be a great event. It's going to be great. Thank you so much for having me, Eric. Thank you very much, Congressman Jody Heiss, uh, Georgia Congressman, helping kick off this State Freedom Caucus. If you're just tuning in, let, let me give you the rundown on this. And also, I'm getting emails from people saying, what can I do to help? What can I do to help? You, you know, the cool thing here is that this is not one of those things where you've got to donate money right now. These numbers of states, let me give you the list again. Alabama, Alaska, Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Florida, Georgia, Idaho, Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Maryland, Minnesota, Mississippi, Missouri, Nevada, Ohio, Oklahoma, Pennsylvania, South Carolina, South Dakota, Tennessee, Texas, Virginia, and Wyoming. 
They're starting what's called a State Freedom Caucus Network. Now, let me zoom out here and give you a bigger picture here. There's something called the State Policy Network. And every state in the union has one or more conservative think tanks. Probably the premier institute is the Texas Public Policy Foundation in Texas, in Austin, Texas. Uh, TPPF is probably the greatest state conservative think tank across the United States. But each state has one. And every year they come together for a conference and they work to advance shared public policy goals, but always look out to the conservative interest in each of their states. Well, now the Conservative Partnership Institute in Washington is helping a number of groups get together and do what are going to be called State Freedom Caucus Networks. And these are each state will have an entity that helps conservatives in their state legislatures not only advance conservative agendas, but also block bad legislation other Republicans advance. So they will have an executive director who kind of gets the groups together and organizes the meetings. They'll have policy or legislative directors to both advance conservative legislation, advise on existing legislation, whether it's worth supporting or not, and also uh, come up with strategies for opposing other legislation. It makes it more, conservatives more powerful at the state level. Now, here's the thing. These outside groups are stepping up to help get this done. Eventually, you may have an entity that you can you can um, support, but right now, they just need encouragement. If you're in your state, in wherever you are, if you're in Arizona, listening on uh, our affiliate out there, if you're in North Carolina, Ohio, Oklahoma, Florida, wherever you are, uh, if you're in Nevada, listening to our uh, people out there, all you got to do is reach out to the conservatives that you know of in your state legislature and say, hey, I want to be a part of the state freedom caucus in our state. What can I do to help you guys? And probably what you're going to get is just just pray for us is probably going to be the answer at first. Uh, but they really that these are going to be great groups for conservatives, a level of organization. You know, progressives at states actually in a lot of states have something like this. Conservatives never have, and suddenly they're going to. It'll be separate from the Republican Party, separate from Republican leaderships in these states, and it's a good thing. We need this level of commitment to advance freedom. For several years when I practiced law, I volunteered for the Alliance Defending Freedom to be an on-call lawyer for them. It's one of the few legal nonprofits in the country that really racks up wins, both state courts and federal courts for conservatives and Christians. People have a Christian conservative worldview. Since leaving my law practice, I've volunteered in the past to speak at ADF events. I've been to their training sessions where they teach lawyers and pundits how to talk plainly about complex legal issues and understand the state of play on cases around the country from local city councils all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court. Now I'm glad to have ADF as an advertiser, but honestly, I'd be encouraging you to support them this time of year anyway. The Alliance Defending Freedom takes donations from you and uses them to help those who can't afford lawyers hire the very best lawyers to fight for freedom from the Supreme Court of the land all the way down to the local level. Right now, ADF has received a matching grant, so all new donors will have their gifts matched. All you have to do is go to adflegal.org slash Erickson today and donate. adflegal.org slash Erickson, E-R-I-C-K-S-O-N. This hour of this here program is brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan. The Frost family, in fact, uh, one of the Frost family members is helping with the State Freedom Caucus launch here in Georgia. Deeply good conservative Christian family. They've been helping businesses, gosh, since the early 90s. If your business needs a large loan, six figures and up, and you're tired of going through bank bureaucracies, 
The First Liberty folks, they make their own lending decisions, so reach out to them, see if they're a good fit. FirstLibertyGA.com is their website, FirstLibertyGA.com. All right, Barry has been waiting so patiently. Barry, I wanted to get to you here. Sorry to make you wait so long. That's all right. Hey, quick question for you. Stacey Abrams, um, what is in her resume that gives her the qualifications, you know, to match with Purdue and and uh, yep. Kemp to run a $2 billion business in the state of Georgia? I'm assuming <laughs> it's illegal. Oh, Barry, there's nothing I can say that won't get me hate mail. <laughs> um, but well, me- I, I, wasn't, I wasn't giving you a question to get hate mail. I'm yeah. really no, no. wondering, um, so- does, does this woman have any qualifications to run a $2 billion business in the state of Georgia? I don't think so, but, you know, the voters get to decide. Um, look, she, she has, um, she's a writer of fantasy romance novels. Um, and yeah, there's, there's a love affair with government. So, um, she, (laughs) yeah, she runs a big nonprofit. Yeah. Look, I I get what you're saying. Kemp and and Purdue are both business people with business backgrounds from the private sector who've had to meet payrolls. Um, and she doesn't have that. And, And the highest she's risen in office was to be the minority leader of the state house of representatives being elected for a few years in the state legislature. I, I would look on that and say, no, but most voters will look at the letters next to their name and determine qualifications based on their partisan affiliation. And if the Democratic voters in the Democratic primary decide she's qualified to be their nominee, then she's qualified to be their nominee. They would in turn say what business did what qualifications did Donald Trump have to be president of the United States? And we can make our argument there and they wouldn't believe that in any more than we will believe their argument on on the other. Um, what I will say is this. Um, I have met Stacey Abrams. I actually interviewed her when she ran for governor the first time. And the thing that I enjoyed about our interview, even as we disagreed on everything, I thought she was a great defender for what she believes in, even if I didn't agree with her. What I enjoyed about our time together in my interview, and she came into an audience, and I, I should say, she came in a little bit hesitant to do it because I am a conservative, and I disagree with her, and I had criticized her on radio. And so we let her fill the room with all the people she wanted to fill it with, with, with all her supporters. So she had a friendly crowd and it is not my style to be combative in an interview. I'm not comfortable being combative. I don't like to do that. If there's a question I need to ask, I will ask it, but I don't try to be combative with it. So she knew what she was getting into. What I liked was that she was entirely self-deprecating. She was willing to laugh at and about herself and her background and make jokes about it. And I very much like that. I thought it was notable that the two candidates who were the most self-deprecating, who took themselves the as as they were not as serious about themselves as all the other candidates, it turned out to be Brian Kemp and Stacey Abrams. They were self-deprecating. They didn't take themselves too seriously. They cracked jokes. They had a deep sense of what they wanted to do and what they stood for and cared about and what their priorities were, but they also understood they were just running to be a public servant. They weren't running to be a king. And I liked that about her. What I tell Democrats now is the thing I've noticed most about Stacey Abrams in the last number of years is it seems like she has lost her sense of humor and she's lost the ability to laugh about and at herself. And what I found most endearing about her as a candidate is that thing that no longer seems to exist. And I think uh, she is a formidable opponent. She has built a grassroots network 
across the state of Georgia to get herself elected. And they had a lot of success in trial runs and local elections around the state this past year. But you got to be someone who can laugh at yourself. There's a lot for each of us to laugh about ourselves. And when you take yourself too seriously, it rubs voters the wrong way. And that's to her detriment. You are struggling right now. Well, you should be because I am. What am I going to get people for Christmas that I love? What am I going to get myself? Well, there are lots of things you can do. And one of the things you can do is considering how much time we sleep and stay in our beds, consider gifting Bull and Branch. My gosh, their sheets are comfortable. My wife was so excited when I told her that Bull and Branch was going to be an advertiser because she's been hearing about their sheets and she wanted some and we bought some and then they sent us some. And gosh, she knew she was getting that second pair and she loves them. We have Bull and Branch on most of the beds in our house now. And all the time people ask us when they stay at our house, what exactly it is? Where do we get our sheets? Because you can feel the difference. They are very soft. You know, they've got a good snug feel to them, but they're also very soft. You can tell they've got a high thread count. I really, really do like these things. They are very soft. They've got organic cotton weave. They feel incredible all season long, every season, from twin-sized beds to California kings. Treat yourself and your loved ones to the new standard in bedding from Bull & Branch. Their gifts come wrapped and ready in their special holiday packaging. If you order by December 19th, you get guaranteed delivery for Christmas. Best deals of the year are going now from December 6th to December 8th with promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at bullandbranch.com. That's bull, B-O-L-L, and branch. Com. The promo code is Eric, E-R-I-C-K. Exclusions may apply. You're going to want Bull and Branch. Yes, you are. I'm coming. I'm coming. The actual, like, director of programming, producer, call screener is hog hunting. And literally, as we're coming back on air, he sends me this picture of this massive, this thing, like, stretched out is bigger than he is. Good gracious. Uh, that's, that, Wow. I'm I'm impressed, uh, but that's uh, we're not here to talk about Hawks now. He's distracted. He did this on purpose. I'm telling you now, I have another friend. This is like my day to have friends on the radio with me. Uh, Georgia state senator, great conservative, also involved in launching the state freedom caucuses. Why am I devoting my entire show to this event today? Because I think it's that big of a deal. This is literally I can remember sitting in Jim Dement's office when he was in the U.S. Senate talking about this idea. And over the years, having conversations with Mike Pence and Jim Jordan and Jody Heiss, Chip Roy, uh, Dement, Ted Cruz, and others about this would be a great idea. And suddenly, here it is, a Freedom Caucus for state legislatures where conservatives don't have to feel isolated and alone. One of the conservatives in the state Senate uh, who has seen how they try to isolate conservatives and push through just whatever the leadership wants is Senator Greg Dozal, who's joining me by phone. How are you? Eric, I'm fantastic. Good to hear from you. Okay. How are you doing today? I'm great. I, now, this is the most important question I have to ask you. Have you finished your Christmas shopping? I haven't started my, my yes, Christmas this shopping. this is why we're friends. <laughs> <laughs> I like the pressure of Christmas shopping on about December 23rd. Amen. And just going through and feeling like I got to make quick decisions and, you know, everything's picked over. So no, nobody's happy when they get the presents, but it does give me an opportunity to, to move through it pretty fast. Yes. Yes. It, it really, I mean, it like hones your senses. You, you know what you got to get. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what That's my right. kid put on his, on his Christmas list? Growth spurt. 
<laughs> All right. Now, we're not here to talk about Christmas. We're here to talk about the state food caucus. Can, can you just relate, being a member of a state legislature, I've got a national audience now, and, and they're listening. What's it like as a conservative in a state legislature? You know, it depends on the day. I think I remember my, my first year in the state Senate, I carried a parental school choice bill to, you know, to empower parents to determine the fate of their children's education and just received a tremendous amount of pushback. And some of that pushback was from within my own caucus. Um, and we've unfortunately came out four or five votes short on that. And, you know, as you know, there's probably no more important legislation that we could bring here to the state of Georgia than, than school choice. And so, you know, we, we think that this opportunity is going to allow us to move legislation like that forward that we haven't been able to move in the past. I, every time I get together with, well, you know, let let me back up. So I I had a a moment uh, a couple of years ago. I think you were, you couldn't make it that night, but uh, maybe you could, I can't remember, but there was a, a gathering of conservatives in the state legislature uh, in Georgia. We met at a local restaurant and it was moving heaven and earth to get them all there. And every single conservative who was there in the state legislature was deeply concerned that their leadership in the House and Senate would find out they had the audacity to get together in a room together and talk. And I was it was literally like a, the, the an eye opening flabbergasted moment that I can't believe you have members of the state legislature who are scared of actually getting in a room together as conservatives and daring to think for themselves about legislation. I just, I didn't realize that environment could exist. I do remember that meeting. I was there and I'll tell you this, the, the system of reward, you know, probably in every state legislature is that of committee chairmanships and lobbyist dinners and invites to certain things. And so what I just got done telling the group at lunch today of Freedom Caucus folks was, you know, one of the primary things I look for now with, with who I support in office is people who don't care what, whether or not they come back for another term. Amen. Because when you have that freedom of not, you know, not legislating out of fear, but you're legislating from, a, from principle, that is the, as I have in my three years here have learned, that is the, the true secret sauce mm-hmm. is people who have the right principles. They understand the role of government. They have the backbone to stand up for it. And they don't care what they're threatened with or who they're threatened by. And they just they vote their conscience every single time. It, it, there really does seem to be – it's a carrot and stick system. But l- lately for conservatives, it seems almost stick, particularly you've got, for example, in, in Philip Singleton's situation of the state house, the redistricting card played on him uh, as a way of payback for, for marching to the conservative beat. And then, I mean, you guys in the state senate as well here in Georgia and, and then talking to friends of mine in the state legislature in Texas – uh, that, that they're just they feel like they're put upon all the time by leadership who want them to vote yes and yet never offer anything in return. I think that one of the primary things that we've seen, you know, if you think about Georgia, Republicans have been in control for 20 years. And for a large part of that has been somewhat of a country club mentality. Right. Well, our voters have shifted and our voters have told us very clearly that they want to see people who will fight for them. And largely that's happened as a result of them seeing a president who is fighting for them. And even if they didn't agree necessarily with everything that that president did, they appreciated that he was willing to fight. And so now, now that has been, become a tangible characteristic that people want to see in their state reps or state senators. They want to see it in their county commissioners and their school boards. Because let's be honest, the next battle, the current battle we're facing is with a lot of our school boards. So I think that people are resistant to change. What we're hoping to do with the Georgia Freedom Caucus is to, to provide air cover for people who are true conservatives 
But the other thing, Eric, I think a lot of people want to be, a lot of Republicans have, you know, conservative ideology, may not be able to move there uh, necessarily, you know, on their own because they might feel like they're going to be out on the island. But we're going to provide not only legislative support for them, but we're going to hopefully provide political support for them as well. That is such a good component. I'm, I'm glad you guys are doing that. That hadn't come up earlier in, in my conversations with folks. That's good to know. Now, uh, let, let's talk about actual legislation and tactics you guys want to advance. I know one of the things that has come up is critical theory and a lot of suburban schools. In fact, uh, I, I know you're in Forsyth County, and I've talked to a number of parents up there who feel like the school board there has given them the runaround on the issue, denying that they're doing anything with it, and yet at the same time, uh, advancing diversity, equity, and inclusion, all the language you would expect for people who deny they're doing it but still doing it. Cobb County, I know for certain, uh, is is advancing it. Uh, Gwinnett County as well in, in the suburbs in Georgia where it translates across party lines. It translates across races. Parents, regardless of race, creed, ideology, really don't want this infiltrating schools, and yet it seems to be happening anyway. I agree 100%. And, you know, what we often see, and we're seeing it in Forsyth County as well, is it, is it is a lot of the minority parents who are pushing back against this because they're not at home telling their children they're oppressed. And so they, when they go and they're taught the, the tenet of critical theory, and by the way, they never call it critical theory when they teach it, right? Mm, right. It comes in under different names, under, under different auspices. And so that's why the legislation that I'm working on will identify the characteristics of it as opposed to identifying it by name. And the second important piece to that is we're going to have in our legislation – some accountability and accessibility whereby parents can more fully understand what is being taught in the schools, because that is the ultimate lever of accountability. We're the ones footing the bill. We're the ones that that are responsible for raising our children. And really it should be a partnership with our school districts and the parents of how we're educating um, our kids. And, and, you know, we, we, I met with the Forsyth County leadership last week and told them um, that what I'm hearing from parents is that they want their children to be taught how to think, not what to think. And that's a very fine line um, that we need to have. And I'll say as a business owner, a rare commodity for students coming out of high school and even undergraduate these days is, is a student who knows how to think, mm-hmm. who knows how to think critically and can, you know, can, can apply logic as opposed to applying mo- emotion to their decision-making process. Well, yeah, okay, you, you highlight another issue here, uh, you being a business owner. And what is the impact that you're seeing in the economy right now with inflation and everything else and, and the supply labor shortages where Georgia, uh, the data out today, has the best economy of the 10 most populous states. Uh, it, it clearly reopening when Brian Kemp did really made a difference, getting the economy going. We're having surpluses, it looks like. But yet there's this ongoing issue with employers, despite having very low unemployment in the country, who can't find employees to actually fill jobs. So we do know that our labor pool has shrunk in large part due to decisions made by the Biden administration. You mentioned the governor opening, reopening Georgia among the first states to reopen. And what a lot of people forget is that he was ridiculed and chastised for that, but he absolutely did the right thing. I mean, it was late night fodder, right? The governor was accused of participating in you know, human sacrifice. And the people that accused us of all that when we reopened the state have not come back and apologized or right. thanked the governor for the decision that he made. Um, they haven't done it here. They haven't done it in Florida. You know, they called Ron DeSantis Death Santos. Mm-hmm. Um, and now you see the lowest case, case count in the, in the entire nation um, in, in the state of Florida. But, yes, we have massive economic problems because we have leadership in Washington, D.C. that does not understand free markets. And they're trying to engineer 
with you know magical money out of Washington D.C. and economic recovery in the midst of an, in the economy that's already booming. So we know that affl- inflation is you know a lot of money chasing a limited amount of goods. And it's driving the cost up. It's driving the cost up at the pump. It's driving the cost up at the grocery store, and that's going to continue to happen until we see fiscal conservative return to Washington D.C., which isn't going to happen, unfortunately, until at least after the 2022 election. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, look, I'm I I can't tell you enough. I uh, I really am excited by having a a state for freedom caucus, and I know. In fact, I, I can just sense that there will be some level of coordinated pushback on this, even led by some of the uh, Republican leaders in the legislature to, to have the media go after you guys. But I, I admire those of you who are doing it and sticking to your guns and putting your name out there on this. It, it's going to be a big deal. Yeah, we're excited, Eric. You know, we have a number of we have a number of published members. And then as, I don't know if you knew this or not, but in Washington, D.C., in the House Freedom Caucus, they do not release a list of names of their members. Right. We're not doing that as well. Good. So we will have members who are published and members who are not uh, published. So we are going to have you know the ability to work with leadership to advance conservative legislation. And I mentioned this this morning at the press conference. We were asked all the time, "What what legislation are you going to pass? What legislation? What are you going to pass? What are you going to pass?" And I said, "Look, that's half the question. The second half of the question is, what are we going to stop?" And yes. what we're going to stop is any legislation that we see that infringes upon personal liberty, unnecessary regulation, and things that go against the Constitution. Amen so to that's, that. That's what we're going to be in the business of doing is advancing the good legislation and stopping the bad. Good, good. Yeah, and you know, I tell people all the time that's just as important. Sometimes voting no matters more than voting yes. It absolutely does. And, and I'm trying to retrain my constituents to start asking their elected officials not what did you pass, but what did you kill? What were you able to stop? <laughs> yes. Because um, I didn't wake up this morning thinking, you know what Georgia needs today, Eric, is we need more law. Right. That's not what my, bus- that's not what my business thinks when we're sitting down trying to comply with a, you know, tens of thousands of page tax code. Oh, yeah. It is. Listen, Greg, I could talk to you all day. It's, I, I miss seeing <laughs> you in person with COVID and everything else. I hope we can get together for coffee soon. But have a very Merry Christmas, and thanks for hanging out with me on the radio. Thanks. Thanks for talking about this today. We're grateful. Absolutely. Greg Dozal, he's a state senator uh, for Scythe County in Georgia helping this. Um, he is. I. He has just got one of the fast, most fascinating business careers out there of anybody I know. Super nice guy, uh, committed conservative, and all of these people doing this around the country, not just in Georgia. They're launching it in Georgia, but it's going to be all these other states as well. I cannot emphasize enough how isolating it can be to be a Republican legislator if you're a conservative because the establishment, they've got an establishment agenda, tends to be a a Chamber of Commerce-style agenda, the mainstream traditional Republican agenda, but oftentimes it is to give competitive advantages to Fortune 500 companies at the expense of small businesses, and the conservatives have to stand up for them and for social conservative values. I mean, in Georgia, for example, they've struggled to even get the Tebow bill passed, which would allow homeschool kids to play on uh, publicly funded sports teams after in after school programs. And it's just it's bizarre. Or school choice, for example. Texas Republican conservatives have for years tried to advance school choice to the legislature to be only to be killed by the leadership. Same in Georgia and other states. It's time to advance that stuff. So uh, strengthen numbers here. Now, uh, speaking of strengthen numbers in great conservative groups, Patriot Mobile is a great conservative group and also a great company. If you want your cell phone service from a company 
that is explicitly conservative and not woke and funds with its profits the conservative movement, Patriot Mobile's for you. You get to you get to shape your wireless plan with them with data, 5G, voice, you name it. If you're a, uh, a veteran, a first responder, an NRA member, a teacher, a large family with multiple lines, they will give you great discounts. They got 100% U.S.-based customer service, and they use the same towers that everybody else uses, so you don't have to worry about coverage. Now, what do you do? What you do is you go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric, patriotmobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K, or you can call them. 972 Patriot. Tell them I sent you. You'll get free activation with my name. Patriot Mobile is explicitly Christian conservative, funds the conservative movement, wants your business. PatriotMobile.com slash Eric. Why, hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. Thank you all for joining me today. I really hate uh, that it did not work out for me to be live at the launch of the State Freedom Caucuses. Uh, they, they were going to put me there but we got to the place where they were doing it at the uh, hotel where they were doing it, and the hotel staff didn't have all the connections. Now, uh, it apparently it wasn't the hotel staff. It wasn't anything intentional. It's just there were multiple cooks in the kitchen involved in getting it set up, and uh, somewhere along the lines, the communications got messed up. So it didn't work out uh, for me to be there live, but I was glad to be able to get them to call in on, on the program today. A good group of people keep an eye out for the State Freedom Caucuses launching nationwide uh, in your local state legislatures. Uh, It actually is a big deal. I want to point out one other big deal before I get out of here. I meant to talk about this yesterday. We had so much stuff going on. Naftali Bennett is Israel's prime minister. He is currently in the United Arab Emirates. An Israeli prime minister has never been to the United Arab Emirates. He went on Sunday and has stayed a few days uh, going around the Middle East to Arab countries to raise concerns about Iran's nuclear program, which is expanding. The Biden administration doesn't seem to want to deal with it. And you have the Israeli prime minister building a coalition of Arabs and Jews to take on Iran. That's a really big deal, and it's one of those things that if you had a fair press in the United States, Donald Trump would actually get credit for it because it was the Abraham Accord. It was Donald Trump's involvement. Now, a friend of mine, interestingly enough, who worked in the Trump administration and and is a big advocate of this deal, says the irony here that people miss, including supporters of the deal, is that the reason we have the Abraham Accord is because Donald Trump basically said, we're walking away from all of you if you can't figure your stuff out. And Donald Trump was willing to just leave the Middle East to itself. And Israel knew and the Arab nations knew that they needed to strike up relationships with each other in order to take on Iran, which is trying to be a regional hegemon, trying to get nuclear weapons, paying terrorist groups around the Middle East. And so Trump thinking differently about the Middle East allowed something like this to happen. And the man does not get the credit he deserves. And there are people who criticize and say, well, the only reason this happened is because you were going to walk away from all of them. Well, yeah, but it certainly worked, didn't it? It got them the peace deals that they needed. And he really does deserve some credit for this. This is a big deal. Y'all, I grew up in Dubai in the United Arab Emirates. I have never been to Israel. I was not allowed to go when I was a kid. If an Israeli passport stamp appeared in your passport, you could not get back in to the United Arab Emirates. We were never allowed to go. 
I to this day have not been. When I was growing up, until in fact, it was until last year, your geography textbooks, even in the American schools, anything that referenced Israel was either torn out or blacked out. Israel did not exist on the maps. They either had Palestine labeled over it or there was a black marker, Sharpie, drawing out an entire nation. Your phone literally could not call Israel. Israel did not exist in the phone exchange. That was one year ago. And now the prime minister of Israel is touring the United Arab Emirates, building a military coalition of Arabs and Jews to take on the Iranian regime. That is a big deal, and Donald Trump deserves a lot of credit for making it happen, whether you want to give it to him or not. This is historic. I never in my lifetime thought I would see something like this, and yet here it is happening. Maybe it's a sign of the end times. (laughs) See you all later. And you thought these last two years were crazy. Welcome to 2022. It's coming up and nothing makes sense still, especially in business. If you're a small business owner, good luck getting financing from a big bank right now. I can offer you a fantastic solution if you're looking for $750,000 or more in financing for your business. First Liberty Building and Loan. Let's say you want to buy a new building or you want to refi existing debt or you want to buy a company. Basically, you see opportunity for your business to grow, but you've hit a wall with the mega banks getting financing. That's where First Liberty Building and Loan and my friends, the Frost family, come in. They solve small business financing problems better than anyone I've ever seen. They say yes, where big banks say no, it's that simple. Look, just do this. Spend 10 minutes with them. Call them, First Liberty Building and Loan. Say Eric sent you. In 10 minutes, you'll know if you're a good fit for their program. Go to firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. They help small businesses nationwide in all 50 states. Firstlibertyga.com.